Greetings. Welcome to another podcast episode of This Is Life. I am, of course, your host, Sean Johnson. We are keeping the train rolling. Can you believe it? We've gone now, I think, over two months, every single Friday, a new podcast released. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty impressed. <laughs> I just, you know, here's the thing. You know, I got to be honest. There's been several days, you know, leading up to the podcast. I'm like, what am I going to talk about? You know, I've been praying and just nothing's coming to me. And I'm just like, uh, maybe I should just skip it this week. But I'm like, no, you know what? I made a commitment to myself, to the listeners, and to God that, you know, we're going to just keep this going. You know, that we're going to, uh, you know, keep providing podcast episodes and hopefully just inspire all of us uh, out there who are listening and, you know, just to, you know, I, I, I enjoy, and I, frankly, I enjoy this guys. Uh, truly, it is an enjoyable experience just to be able to just share from the heart and, 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 and just anybody who's listening, even if it's just one person. And I pray that, you know, I thank you first off, thank you for listening, but I hope and pray that it also is inspiring to you too, that you're gaining some things from the uh, podcast episode that, uh, hopefully the the notes and keeping the scriptures on the on the notes is helping maybe to follow along or go back in and study a little bit more later um you know that this has just been really a big blessing we've been doing this for uh now over a year uh you know as far as the show's been around and uh so you know we're gonna just keep on moving and keep on going there's there's plenty of things to talk about uh, there's plenty of things going on in the world uh lots and lots of stories with guests once we kind of get around to that one of these days uh, again we you know there's plenty of things that we can talk about in scripture uh just life experiences in general you know uh there's all sorts of things to talk about that's why the show is called this is life we aren't limited by you know particular one particular subject this isn't just your sports radio or your right leaning radio your left leaning radio radio or you know i'm not i'm not a comedian you know so we're not just i'm not just here just you know, to put out jokes my jokes would be very good anyway you wouldn't want to hear them jokes i'm definitely not a singer i, I i'm definitely uh if, if, if uh yeah let's put it this way that, that no one would be listening to this show if this is a of a a show of uh of sean johnson singing um, I, it's always funny because I, you know, most of my other family, my, my brother and sister, uh, they got the singing genes. I, I did not. Now I got the talking genes. I got that down. <laughs> okay, I can definitely talk for a while, but I can't. I can't sing. Uh, you know, let's, uh, I, guess I had one person say that you know everybody can sing. It's just a matter of not people want to listen to you. I guess that's true. Uh, you know, I, I could definitely sing and uh, in, in, in the car. Or, you know, uh, if I don't ever really sing in the shower because I don't want to disturb people. Speaking of that, I don't know if it's so, so funny. My daughter has now realized that her voice carries very well in the shower. And, and so the other day, uh, my wife and I were, we were on vacation and she was taking a shower. And man, I mean, just the loud, uh, it, well, it is so funny just hearing her screaming through the walls as loud as she could be, you know, I was hoping we didn't have neighbors, you know, who were trying to, uh, sleep. I think we, you know, cause, cause she was just singing loudly and Hey, I guess just go for it. You got the confidence. You go for it, girl. You keep on singing. You keep on doing it and moving it. Uh, I will not be doing that. I, 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 I have empathy towards my neighbors and I don't really feel like they should be subjected to any kind of cat scratches or noises that I'll be making. But my wife sings more beautifully than me. So I'll leave the singing up to her and, and to my daughter. They can keep doing that. Uh, but I'll, I'll just keep doing the podcast and talking. How's that sound? Speaking of, so what, John, what do we want to talk about today? Well, I realized I'm just kind of, I don't know. I'm really kind of getting over it. 
I'm just, I, I was like every single week, I just am shaking my head at just the embarrassment that the Christian church is doing to itself. It's like every single week there's some new pastor or some, you know, representative in the government who claims to be a Christian and just saying or just doing things that is harmful, not only harmful to the body of Christ and to the reputation of Christ, but people who say they're Christians, but just in just just humanity in, in general. And I'm not going to talk too much about that today. There's plenty of options. And there was a particular pastor here this last week who I might end up talking about in the future. I kind of want the dust settle a little bit, a little bit, because I don't know, it's just really frustrating. But he was going on and on about how women in the church need to be trophy wives and how that there's no greater trophy wife than Melania Trump. And that, that if, you know, maybe if you can't be like Melania Trump, maybe you can be, be a participate participation trophy. I mean, literally he's saying these things from the, from the pulpit, trying to, you know, tell women that they need to be, you know, that, that, that their husbands, encouraging the husbands to have a divorce wait for their, for their, for their wives. I mean, just things like that, just awful. Can you, can you imagine telling any pastor, telling the congregation, telling the, the, the men in the congregation that they need to be encouraged to, to tell their wives to have a divorce wait, that if the wives start gaining too much weight, that they're going to have to, uh, you know, divorce them or leave them. I mean, just how just awful and petty and 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 the guy's nothing to speak of himself for crying out loud uh just despicable just absolutely despicable things that he was saying for like 30 40 minutes and i have recorded the sermon so i don't know i just don't really feel like listening to it to getting mad today <laughs> so uh, we'll talk about something else but i think it's important because unfortunately where this guy is coming from a lot of other pastors and preachers and maybe people in the church believe the same way he does and just hurts just it just hurts the people and it's just and more than that it's just embarrassing it's just embarrassing to us christians and and we ought to be just shameful when when people who claim to be leaders in our churches are just being mean and having just this just this terrible ideology that is completely contrary to scripture you know what happened to the loving and the kindness and the compassion and the and, and the humbleness that we're supposed to have uh, rather than putting each other down and um, unrealistic expectations for for uh, for our daughters and our sons and I just gosh it just makes me mad so anyway I just I so I googled. You know, what is, so, so, I, so, so I kind of noticed this has kind of been a trend. So I Googled, and I Googled, what is the most annoying thing about a Christian? And, of course, you have a lot of people who have different opinions and, art, and articles and things like that nature. But the number one complaint that most people have about Christians, and, of course, it's not going to already hear some of you saying, well, what do we care about? What do we care about the world has to say about Christians? Well, number one, when I was in sales and I was in work, used to work at Best Buy, I was in the cell phone department, right? And the number one thing that we had to learn was to know who we're talking to. You know, before I go and start selling cell phones and plans, I get to know the person I'm talking to. Hey, what do you do for a living? What are you going to use? The, what, do, what are you wanting to use this phone for? What is what are some features you liked about your old phone? What are some things about your new phone you like for it to do? Um, you know, what do do you have kids? Do you have? Are you married? Uh, I mean, just getting just to know basic details about the person so that we could fit the need to the person, and I would know what to talk to them about. Well, 
that's kind of the same thing with this. If we're supposed to be going out and 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 ministering to the world, go you therefore unto all the world to preach the gospel. Don't you think we ought to care a little bit about what the world thinks about Christians in general and things that completely turn them off and away? Now, I mean, obviously, the, the gospel in and of itself can be offensive. A lot of people don't want to hear and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. But what's interesting about that is that. God's not the one who's calling them. I'm sorry. We're not the one who's leading them to Jesus. Jesus leads them himself. Our sole responsibility is to just be an example of Christ and to preach the good news and to be, be the gospel. That's what our responsibility is, to be the active arms and legs and, and, and embraces and loves and kind compassions of Jesus. That That's what we're supposed to be doing. And, you know, God will is completely capable of calling and directing to his own whom he desires and whom he's already said is his from the foundation of the earth. Now, there's nothing you and I can do to change that who that is. All we're supposed to do, however, is to open up the opportunity to everybody who has an ear to listen. And so it's important, I think, for us to to talk to, 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 to you know, look at a observation for observation points how does the world, you know, respond to Christians? How are Christians viewed in this world? And how are, you know, a lot of it's, what are we doing to our own selves? Good, bad, and ugly. And a lot of it, again, as like I said, is just bad. I think that we are, we love to talk about how Christians are all these, all persecuted and oppressed and all these different things. But honestly, we had, most of the, the reason why Christians are, quote unquote, oppressed or persecuted or, you know, downtrodden, or we feel like we're being picked on. It's for our own doing. It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's like we, we've been going on and on and on and on about how Christians are, you know, persecuted and how we are unfairly treated, when in reality we did it to ourselves, that our piousness and our pride and our um, – Entitled, we think we're entitled, you know, to us to, to 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 certain behaviors and things. You know, it's like, and and it, we've been spoiled here in America, especially. I mean, we have no idea what it what it means in America to be, uh, you know, to 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 be uh, oppressed for our religion. Not at all. We 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 just we just have no clue what that even means. I mean, they, because they don't put. They don't put Merry Christmas on a Starbucks cup. We get all antsy and angry about it. I mean, are you kidding me? That's really where you want to draw the line? Um, you know, and that's, that's, those are true. That's not, I'm not making that up. Christians were mad about that. They were literally mad because, you know, of, of, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, well, just of that, it's just, just, we don't, you know, because Christ wasn't put on a cup. You know, and it's like, why are you not more concerned about Christ not being in your heart and in your actions and in your thoughts and your deeds and your gestures rather than on some corporate logo? You know, and we get so mad here. You know, we have the latest thing here recently is Christians are so mad because all these cancel culture, when in reality, Christians are the ones who created cancel culture, for crying out loud. I mean, I remember back in the day, I mean, all, I remember all the things that were evil. Kmart was evil. Procter & Gamble was evil. Disney was evil. Uh, I mean, 
I mean, I, I could probably just, if I really were to go on, uh, if you go, you know, just probably Google eighties, nineties, uh, you know, Christian cancel, you'll probably find all sorts of companies and businesses and things. I mean, I, I, I there's all sorts of TV shows and cartoons, all these different things that were just were canceled, you know, without, that Christians were telling everybody else how awful they are. Um, and I guess to a certain degree, okay, you, you could say maybe an argument, but why are we so mad when things are getting canceled when we're the ones as Christians who created that culture in the first place? Anyways, so I talked and I Googled about what is some of the most annoying things about Christians. And the number one thing that came up multiple across multiple articles was the phrase, the Bible says this, or the Bible tells you this, or the, in the word of God, it says this. And you may be asking, why is that so annoying? Well, let me let me read to you what, what this person wrote in this article. There's one article I found. So the number was she goes the number one thing that it says uh, it says the ten most annoying things every non-Christian is sick of hearing. That's the name of the article. And the number one is quote, but the Bible says. And here's what she goes. Seriously, I do not effing care. Okay. I know it's the quote word of God, but it's the word of your God, not mine or anyone else's. Here's the thing with Christians. They think that their God is the God of everybody. Quote, it's what's written in the Bible. Fine. But you also need to understand that there are a hundred religions out there that claim that their God is the one true God too. You can quote me a new new Bible verse every time you rebut my points, but that only make you look extremely childish. We'll talk about that actually here in a little bit. Look, there are some of us here who see the Bible as a book written and translated by men thousands of years ago. Hasn't it occurred to you before that the Bible might be incredibly biased, one-sided, and sexist? Don't react as though you haven't known that throughout history. Women have been persecuted and suppressed by men in the name of God. So don't even. Stop waving your Bible in people's faces like it's the only truth. Because for some people, it's more unreliable than an effing $100 college textbook on extraterrestrial life. Okay, that was her, the author of this article about the 10 most annoying things every non-Christian is sick of hearing. And it got my attention because it's true. It's like we, we use that phrase because the Bible says this, because the Bible tells me so, or in the word of God it says this. As the statement, look, look at every single uh, street preacher out there they, they they start almost every single sentence but the word of god says this and in the bible it says this and if you turn to this the bible the scripture it says this when it's like the people you're talking to they literally have no care whatsoever of what the bible says you're not talking to a group of believers who actually have respect and understand the authority of scripture you're talking to people who could care less who couldn't who who couldn't care less about the a book that you're reading from, regardless if you call it the Bible or not, and this is why we have to understand that the Bible is was never meant to be used for evangelism. The Bible was was meant to be used for you and I for discipleship, for us to go out and understand what Jesus did, the 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 recordings of Jesus, and then go and do the same. And if we just go out there just quoting scriptures blindly without any context and especially without any backup or follow-up or real-life examples of living out the scripture, all we're doing is just throwing words out uh, and, and, and hoping some of them stick. And most of the time, they're not going to stick because, again, the audience is not going to listen. The audience is not there to listen to your interpretation 
interpretations or your readings of scripture. You know, if you want to have a real life encounter with these people, then talk to them in real life terms, just like Jesus did. Now, if you want to refer to scriptures, that's completely fine. As long as you have some sort of personal understanding and personal revelation with it that has to do with you and not them. You know, when, and I get it. When we were children, we that's how we grew up, okay? We, every single one of us, especially if we grew up in the church, we all know the song, Jesus Loves Me, right? Of course, I was talking earlier about not singing, but I'm not going to sing it to you. But I'll recite the words for you just in case you don't remember. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Okay, that's what we were taught from our very young age. Jesus loves me. This I know. Why? Not because I had an encounter with Jesus. Not because he changed my life. Not because I'm forgiven for my sins. No, it's because the Bible tells me so. And I, and, and again, that's great when you are a child and you are learning just beginnings of what Christianity is, is about and trying to figure out how you can encounter Jesus for yourself. You know, you this directing you toward the scriptures so that you can see a reflection of the need for Jesus by reading the Bible, okay? But as again, if there's no personal reflection, if there's no personal story associated with the Bible and his and and God's power, you know, literally setting somebody free from sin and death, it's only going to be just words. I'm not saying the Bible is words is, is only words. I'm saying that that there has to be some interaction with 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 real life experiences of why the Bible meant something to you. And just telling somebody that they have to stop doing something or start doing something because the Bible says so is never, ever going to be enough, and nor should it be enough. And I don't think God expects it to be enough. You know, in fact, the, let me go to First Peter. This, this is a set of scriptures for today. I want to go to First Peter chapter 3, verse, starting with verse 8. First Peter chapter three, verse eight. Again, I'm going to put these scriptures in the description notes so you can follow along uh, with me. Finally, all of you, okay, this is, okay, first off, real quick, if you are interested in evangelism, if you are interested in, in, in living out the Bible rather than just quoting the Bible, and you actually want to possibly help somebody see the goodness and the wonderfulness and the love of Jesus Christ, this is how you do it. This is how we do it. Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers. Be compassionate and humble. And I get it. That first scripture, I'm not even done reading the scriptures. That alone is intimidating to most Christians because we're not taught that. We're not, we're, we're taught, I mean, I, cause I grew up and, and, and when I was taught about evangelism, I was taught about tracks. I was taught about Christian t-shirts. I was taught about carrying my Bible to school every day. I was told that if I bring a friend to, 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 to youth group on Wednesday nights, I get a free t-shirt. If we had, if we brought multiple friends to youth group on a rec, on a regular basis, we get a pizza party at, you know, at the end of the month. I was taught all of these these tips and tricks and tools that were just basic uh, about evangelism. It was always about the like, numbers, but no one ever taught me when I was a child, I was a teenager. And as, even as a young adult, that the whole purpose of living a Christian life is to live in harmony with one another, to be sympathetic, to have brotherly love, to be compassionate, to be humble. 
Why was I not taught those things? And why was I rather taught about wearing Christian t-shirts and passing out tracts and memorizing scriptures so I could quote somebody's face? All those things, I guess, have a place. I don't think tracts have a place. I don't really understand, but the Christian teacher is having a place. But none of those things are nearly as important and as real as sympathy and compassionate and compassion and humility and brotherly sisterly love and i get it it's way easier to for the flesh to just rely all your emphasis on basic you know um get out of jail free card things like tracks and t-shirts and quick one-liner you know scriptures just things that we just try to, it's like, it's like we're throwing hooks out into a pond and hoping that the bait we're using will, will, will catch some fish. When in reality, those are like the basic simple things that really do no good whatsoever. But if you want to talk about true evangelism, you want to talk about true discipleship, you want to talk about being a true representation of Christ, this is what we should be teaching our children how to live in harmony with one another, how to be kind, how to not be rude, okay? How to how to how to take care of each other. How to have compassion and humility for everybody. To be unconditionally in in our love and our in our respect for everybody, no matter who they are, no matter what they've come from, no matter what their life is that is my friends is true christianity that my friends is true discipleship none of this fake garbage of of having some sort of you know uh, popcorn christianity where we're just throwing things to the wall and hope that they stick and try to get a few people to heaven with us no it's a daily effort to make sure that i'm being the most kind and loving person that i can ever be to everybody i'm in contact with so that very the very hope that maybe christ can reach out to them and call them to himself that's what we're supposed to be doing and that's the only way that I see evangelism even operating as it's intended and was supposed to be. That, my friends, is what we do. That's how we, sh that, that, that's a much better answer than just saying the Bible says this or the Bible says that. By actually having an answer. In fact, we'll keep going. Verse 8, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing Yes, that's what it says. When somebody is evil towards you or gives you insults, we like to fight back. We like to think of ways that we can get even. But no, the Bible tells us very plainly that you give back with a blessing. Because the, to this, it says, do not repay evil for evil or insult with insult, but with blessing. Because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Any everybody who's ever given something to somebody out of your goodness of your heart knows the blessing that comes along with it. Think about it. Think about some a time in your life where you just did something good for somebody without any expectation of a return. You just did it out of the goodness of your heart. What was that feeling like? Felt really good, didn't it? If you had a warmness in your heart, it's like it's, it's like you were almost designed and meant to 
be like that, right? Which because we were. That's the true nature of humanity. And when God created Adam and Eve, when he created us, we were intended and meant to be kind and compassionate with one to another, which is why Jesus came to give us the ultimate example of that harmony. This is what we were called. We were called to inherit a blessing by giving blessings to other people and especially to those who are who, who are evil towards us or give us insults. You know, it's like it's like anytime anybody tries to come against Christianity, you know, it's like like people like last year when we were when they were a lot of uh, people were uh, like governments were, were asking churches to find alternate means to do their services, right? Because of COVID, because of this pandemic, because people were dying. People, you know, were older people were subjected, mostly older people were, were being subjected to this disease that could kill them. And a lot of Christians and pastors were so angry because they were they they were like this is a this is a this is a this is a persecution against churches. You know why is it they can go to bars but they can't go to church? Like rather than filling up your time with excuses, how about you get creative and find other ways to share the gospel of Jesus Christ rather than me being being worried about what's going to happen to your church. Are you more worried about what's happening to your church or in the building? Are you more worried about what's happening in the kingdom of God? Because as far as I understand, Matthew 6.33 tells me, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will be added unto you. So what are you doing about doing the Father's business and building his kingdom? And, and being creative, I mean, especially in today's day and age, there's countless ways the church can meet without having to meet face-to-face -face where we could possibly spread our germs everywhere. But I get it. You know, we, we, we would rather sit there and complain and be, you know, uh, uh, you know uh, uh, feign oppression and say that we're being persecuted against when in reality the government's just trying to do its very best to keep people safe. You know, I mean... I, it just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to me. And, and on top of that, we should be giving a blessing. Even if we are being oppressed, even if that was a legitimate thing, that doesn't mean that you sit there and complain and fight and be angry. No, it means you give a blessing. You'd be like, you know what? Thank you. Thank you. And I'm not saying you become a doormat. I'm just saying you find creative ways to love and become and have compassion and humility even when you are being oppressed and, 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 and pressed on all sides. Verse number 10. Four, whoever would love life, this is a quote from Psalms, I believe. Uh, in fact, we'll go there. We'll go to the original scripture in a second. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. And let me go to my, uh, my, my cross-reference here. That particular scripture comes from... A uh, verse in Psalms 34:12 that says, "Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days." And then the next scripture, verse 13, says, "Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies." So let me read those verses again. Psalms 34:12 and 13. Whoever of you loves the life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. Now you know what's always interesting. It's like a lot of Christians, they get confused and they think that if you enjoy this life, that that's a sin and that's wrong. I think it's very okay to love this life, not saying love this world, but love your life. I mean, I think that's, I think that's important. I think that's, 
you ought to strive to love life and to have the best life possible. I'm not talking about money here or good, you know, some sort of like outside interference. I'm talking about just your relationships with the people. Okay, let's just start there. But if you have good relationships with the people whom you love the most, you're going to have a good life. This coming December, I'll be celebrating 20 years of marriage to my number one gal, my bestest friend. I mean, we're talking about somebody who is, I can never expect, I can never even uh, even even contemplate one moment of life without her. I mean, and this is this is this is somebody who is my true my my soulmate, my destiny, my everything, my best friend, and I love I love my wife so much, and I she makes me help she helps me to enjoy life, and one of the reasons why we've been together for twenty years is because we have a rule in our house that our daughter is learning, and that is we always tell the truth. And in fact, and that way, if my daughter wants to get in trouble quick, there's nothing quicker than get my daughter in trouble than saying a lie, even little lies. She knows very full well that the the punishment for lying is way worse than the punishment for whatever she was going to lie about. It's it's, it's a big deal, and I we've just been putting. She's now seven years old, and whether we say that all the time, you know, do, what's the number one rule in this family? And she goes, we don't, we always tell the truth. I'm like, that's exactly right. We always tell the truth. And that's what this script says. Scriptures are telling us that if you love life and you want to see good days, you got to keep your tongue from evil and your lips from deceitful speech. That that's, that's, that's right there. Plain and simple. And how much better does that sound to somebody who's not a Christian than to just say the Bible tells me so. The Bible, the word of God says this. Now, if you want to get somebody's attention, you want them to hear about Jesus in your heart, then maybe, maybe you keep your tongue from evil, okay, and say, and, and, and things that are hurtful against them or somebody, and you also keep, say, keep the truth. You know, you become honorable in what you say and do, you know, and, and you own up to your mistakes, even you don't you don't try to make excuses for your bad behavior. You acknowledge that you may you're a failed person because I think that's the, that's very important for all of us is to be honest and truthful with everyone, especially those who we love, but everybody. It is the reality of who we are as, as a mankind and as people in general. Verse eleven. Okay, he must turn from evil. He he must seek peace. Let's start over. Verse eleven. Well, so we'll start verse 10, just so I can say them together. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. Verse 11. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. Man, why are we not talking about that in church more, right? It's like, especially when the, in the political climate got really hot there towards the end of last year, it's like we were talking more about ways to be divided and fight and, you know, to stand up for your rights and all these different things rather than seek peace with those you disagree with. Like, that's ought to be what's taught from the pulpits, but I get it's not popular. And I get it's also the harder thing to do. You know, it's a lot easier to seek division and to seek arguments and to seek, uh, you know, um, uh, to seek fights than it is to seek peace because peace requires you to give some of yourself and 
no one wants to do that, apparently. We don't want to do that anymore. We want to just find ways to make it all the other person's fault rather than seeking peace, which means we have to compromise some of ourselves in order to for there to be a solution. It's like we talked about last week. You know, that we have to turn from evil and to do good. We must seek peace and not only seek it, but pursue it, which means it's a never-ending conquest. Seeking peace ought to never end that 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 that's a that's something you're going to do for the rest of our lives is that if you want to have a good life if you want to love life and see good days you must keep your tongue from evil stop lying turn from evil do good and seek peace and pursue it for the eyes of the lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer but the face of the lord is against those who do evil Okay, he's not, you know, if you're doing evil towards somebody else, and again, that, that can be lying to them, that could be talking bad about them, that could be having judgment or thoughts about them, that could be not giving them the full truth. I mean, there's all sorts of things that we could do to other somebody else that is considered evil and wrongdoing, even as Christians. I, again, I mean, I, it's like sometimes I find that Christians are some of the most judgmental, evil people out there. And it just is sad to me when we're supposed to be the ones who are being the salt of the earth I and mean, the preservatives and the ones who are, you know, the shining example of God's love. It's like we're the shining example of, of the deceitfulness of Satan. And I just, I'm not, I'm down, I'm not down for that. It's embarrassing. Like I said at the top of this episode, I'm tired and sick and tired of being embarrassed by people who call themselves Christians. I'm just, I'm, I'm sick of it. And I hope you are too. But the only way we're going to change the child, change the tide and change that, that culture is to follow these set of scriptures. That we are, again, I'll go to the top, live in harmony with one another, be sympathetic, have a brotherly love, be compassionate, be humble. That's the only way we're going to turn our, represent, our, 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 our reputation as Christians away from what we are making it. And, you know, I think some people are probably just gluttons for it, too. I think people want to be persecuted. They have a some sort of, it's like this, mar- I mean, for some reason, Christians, like, have this fascination with, with martyrdom. I mean, I, and I get it. I, for a long time, man, early in my ministry, I was fascinated with with all the martyrs. I mean, I bought the Fox's Book of Martyrs. I did a whole illustrated sermon on the martyrs. I studied all the the disciples and how they were killed. And you know, I mean, it was a bit morbid. It was okay. It wasn't just a bit. It was a lot morbid. Um, and I just had this fascination with with martyrdom. And I think a lot of Christians do because I guess in our mind, you know, it's not enough for us to think that we have to give up our flesh for God, that we were, we're willing to give up our life and our breath, you know, and our heart, you know, in our, in our life in and of itself as an entirety to God. But it's like, what are you willing to give up for other people? You know, to Jesus said very plainly, love your Lord, your God, with all your heart, mind, soul, and the other, love your neighbor as yourself is this, they're the same thing. They're on the same plane. They're two sides of the same coin. And, you know, we forget that just because we're willing to give up our lives for God, we also have to be willing to give up our lives for complete strangers and even the most evil people because Jesus did. Jesus was that example, right? Did Jesus not give up his life for every single person who's ever lived on this earth? And think about it. There's some really evil people on this earth. Even now in this, in this generation, some really evil people that, yes, Christ still died for. 
So what are you willing to do for them? Are you willing to? Are people like, you know, like a lot of Christians have anger toward their heart, towards Democrat. I've even had people say that if you're a Democrat, you're evil. You're you're the most evil people if you're a Democrat. You know, have all sorts of awful names for Hillary Clinton and Nancy Pelosi and whatever else. Like, like, so like Democrats. I mean, I've heard this all these crazy things. I'm just like, really? That that's how petty are you? That's how petty you are. That you have to come up with nicknames for how evil people, you know, for for people whom you de- deem evil just because they have a different political ideology than you do. Doesn't make any sense, does it? It just really doesn't. Verse thir- twelve again: For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer, but the face of the Lord against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you if you are eager? To do good. Let me read that again. Verse 13. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. And that, the last part of that, uh, for, uh, that, that, that's, that's, that verse, do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. Let's also cross-reference that particular scripture. Uh, let me go there real quick. That is, let's see here, next one, Isaiah 8.12, which says, Do not call conspiracy everything that these people call conspiracy. Do not, do not fear what they fear, and do not dread it. Now, real quick, whoa, Sean, I know a lot of Christians who are afraid of conspiracies. Well, you and me both. Um. The conspiracy theory, most people who believe in conspiracy theories and, and which basically is fear, you know, right? It's a, it's a fear tactic. It's a, uh, I guess I guess some people, I guess you could call it superstitious. You could call it fabrications. Um, I mean, all sorts of things that no one can confirm, but yet a lot of, but a lot of people are afraid of. It's like, we have this fear of, I don't know. I just I don't know really know where it comes from, but for some reason, man, Christians are just obsessed with it. And the Bible says it specifically: "Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. Just because somebody else says this is happening or this is going to happen, you know, that ought not give you a spirit of fear. Is you're not you're not you're not you ought not get all wrapped up in anything, especially if it can't be verified. If it can't be verified, then I don't think you should have take any time at all." making it even worth your thought. You know, there's too many other things in this world that we could be concerned about rather than to always be worried about the next conspiracy theory. Uh, and believe me, and I've been around plenty of conspiracy theories in my life, and I've seen a lot of people just go down the rabbit holes of conspiracy theories, and it just robs them of their joy, robs them of life. You know, I mean, there's people who email my the ministry I work for all the time that are just, I'm just, God, you know, come and just take us away. I'm tired of this life. I'm tired of this world. I'm tired of all the evil, and we just can't, God, take us away. And I'm like, I don't know about you, but hey, as long as God wants to keep me here, I want to love life and I'm going to do everything I, every single thing I can to maintain that mentality. <laughs> you know, I love the life God gave me. It considered a blessing and I want everyone else to be blessed because of the blessings that God has given me. 
And that ought to be how we really ought to be thinking, not just always worried about the next conspiracy, the next problem, or the next, you know, uh, end of the world scenario. Uh, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just over those things, uh, you know. And if, uh, regardless of what happens tomorrow, the Bible, Jesus said Himself, "Take no therefore thought for the morrow, for it's going to take care of itself. Focus on what's important today." And you know that's what we have to maintain that understanding. If you want to have any kind of peace in this life, verse fifteen. This is what we wanted. This, this is the whole scripture that we've been trying to get to this whole ep- this whole episode. It says, but in your hearts set apart Christ. Well, let's start with verse 14. I'm sorry. I just want to make sure I get the whole context here. But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. This is verse 15. But in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Don't let the fear be Lord. Set Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. And let me tell you something. The answer should never, ever be because the Bible tells me so. You are no longer a child. You're an adult. You are strong in the Lord. Hopefully you have some sort of understanding of how you got here in the first place. So it's important that you always be prepared to have an answer. And if you don't have an answer, ask the Lord and he will give it to you. Pray right now. Pause the podcast. Ask the Lord to give you an answer. That is someone to say, why do you have hope? Why do you have so much hope? Why is it that when your world is falling apart, you're still able to have joy? How is it that you're able to love somebody who hurt you so bad and still want blessings upon them? How is it you're supposed to have how is it you're supposed to have how is it you have compassion for somebody who all they want to do is hurt you? How is it that you are so hum- humble when God has given you so much? Are you starting to see the picture? here always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have but do this with gentleness and respect why was i not taught this as a teenager why are we not teaching our kids this it's like it's like it's like we're some sort of like we just want numbers in today's churches. We don't care about how they get here. We just want them, you know, we just want them on the buses. We want them to be drug in so we can have pizza parties. Okay, how many Christians, I, I, and I have to repent because, I mean, I, 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 when I was a child and I was a teenager, sure, I, I invited a lot of people to church. A lot of my friends came to church. But, man, I, I, rather than them going to church with me on a Wednesday or Sunday, I wish I would have spent more time being compassionate and humble and, 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 and gent- with gentleness and respect. And, and that's, that's what I wish I would have spent most of my time on. I wasted a lot of my time on useless evangelism. I wasted a lot of my time on preaching useless evangelism. And the only evangelism that counts is done with a genuine love for the other person, a genuine care for somebody else, and for that a genuine care that their well-being is much more important than my well-being. God will take care of me. My job is not to take care of myself. My job is to love myself so that I can have an understanding of how to love somebody else. But it is God's job to take care of me. I'm here to take care of others with his help. 
That's what the Bible tells us to do. And so, my friends, we cannot rely on the old adage because the Bible tells me so. It's just not enough, frankly. What is your answer? Somebody says, why are you so hopeful? Why are you so loving? Why, why are you so joyful? Why, why, why do you seem to have strength during the most difficult times? What is your answer? And don't do it because you think you're some high and mighty. Well, I got Jesus. No, do it gentleness and respect. It says verse 16, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Think about that. Just somebody, they feel bad just talking bad about you because there's nothing, because you're, you're blameless. Because you're even though you may mess up like we all do, your heart is still right. And they are guilty. They feel guilty for coming against you because they know in reality you're a good person. That will make way more marks towards getting people into heaven than any sort of t-shirt or track will. So, friends, what are we going to do? How are we going to right this wrong in the church? I'm just uh, How are we going to right this wrong of just being embarrassed? You know, I'm, just, I'm so sick of it, guys. I'm sick of, of just every single week. It's like I, I look at the church and just I'm sad because we're so pious anymore. We're so uh, thinking that we have all the answers. In reality, we have none. You know, we've lost the idea and understanding who Jesus is. It's like we're not even kind to one another anymore. I mean, let alone being kind to the world. I mean, we're not even kind to one another. And that is the whole reason why Jesus came in the first place, to give us the ultimate example of love and kindness and all the other fruits of the Spirit so that we can emulate that and excel in it and even be greater than Jesus in it. He said that. He said, greater works than these will you do. And it's because and he says, now you've I've given you the greatest examples. Now take what I've done and make it even better. So that's maybe the challenge for this week is to just go study Jesus. Study Jesus. I've said it before. If all we had was Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that's all I need. That's all we need. If Jesus is truly the Savior of our heart, he is truly the Son of God, like I and you believe we are, he is, then what else do we need? I mean, I understand that the whole rest of this Bible is there to help set up the need for Jesus. But Jesus is the end and the beginning. He's everything. So look at him. Look at his life. Read the red, read the red letters. The red letters matter. They, they matter more than any other scriptures. The true words and the actions of Jesus is what we are to focus on. And we take those things and we make them living. We make them life. And we let those red letters, the words of Jesus, be that which motivates us to be better people and to love this life and to be truthful and to just enjoy the good days that God's given us all the time that we have them here. Because they're numbered. Uh, the good days are numbered. Days in general are numbered. So with whatever amount of days that you and I have left on this earth, what are you going to do with them? What am I going to do with them? Are we going to make sure that as many of them as possible, at the end of the day, I can look at it as being a good day for Jesus and a good day for the kingdom? 
Are we going to look at it as just another day that went by and I wasn't loving? I was not kind. I was not love. I was not more mindful of others than myself. I'm just, let's just turn the tide. We can do it. One encounter at a time. Guys, until next week, make sure you uh, go, if you can, head on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and a review. I'd really appreciate it. Uh, if you want to hit me up on Gmail, this is lifepod at gmail.com, uh, or even on Twitter. I'll check that every now and again. Uh, if you want to go to the website, this is lifepod.com. Um, catch up on the latest episodes. Uh, I really appreciate the, any kind of feedback whatsoever. And it just really helps me to stay motivated. You know, just knowing you're out there listening right now is, mo- is motivation for sure. But man, I love that interaction with you guys as well. So until next time, God bless you guys. Aloha and mahalo.